and welcome to this week's episode of Marvelous, in which we will be discussing what if T'Challa became a Star Lord. How exciting! I am delighted to be joined by Matthew. Hello. And Laura. Hello, pod buddies. Hello, indeed. And let's not waste any time at all. Laura, what did you think? So much fun! Perfect. That That is the energy we are all looking for. Matthew, what did you think? Yes, fun to hear Thanos joking about genocide. I mean, what could, what could one want? I thought you were just going to stop bit. it here. I thought you were just going to say fun to hear. And then, <laughs> like, leave it at that. 50% fun. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of complaints last week and things about this as a series. And after this episode, I think my expectations now might be too high. Oh, no. Because this was exactly what I was wanting. Damn it. This is everything that was wrong last week was solved here and they did what I wanted. So this week was just too good. Yes. And Gosh. now I'm worried about the rest of the series. <laughs> Honestly, Marvel, we, what what are we going to do with you? Really? Please me, but not too much. Please. <laughs> gently. Please me gently. That's what we're saying. <laughs> How about you, Abby? Yeah, I loved it, obviously. Um, and, and full disclosure, I am probably the biggest fan of, fan of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in the Marvel Universe and other universes. So in the multiverse, let's say. Um, so I was delighted to explore uh, characters relevant to that film in a way relevant to that film, but in a real what if kind of way. And I think... I think Matthew had some excellent points last week with uh, with the kind of what if anything, and this is the path you went down. I don't think I could have asked for anything more than what if actually Yondu just really wanted to be the dad all along. Like, <laughs> just the exploration of themes that aren't necessarily the themes that people would jump at from the Marvel film. And even necessarily from this episode, I just thought it was really packed a lot into half an hour. And mm. did so in such an intriguing and interesting and different way. You know, you, if if you're given those characters, the Guardians and Thanos, apparently, and T'Challa, and so much to work with, I thought they chose such a specific, interesting story. Um, I hardly know where to start, which is not a great line from your host, but um, <laughs> anyone, leap in. Which thread leaps out at you most? I think. I think the thing just comparing it to the last episode, is that Peggy and Steve were just too close in character, were too similar. Mm -hmm. So that then when you swap them, there isn't really that much effect on the story. I mean, admittedly, they also could have done more with it. And I really enjoyed that. But this one, I love that they spun off so much more dramatically mm -hmm. than the last episode and that they did it much earlier. And I do wonder if last episode they were showing us that this is going to be the films, but within a different spin in the way that this was Guardians, but a different spin. And so I wonder if that's why it was a bit more focused on the MCU we recognised, like mm -hmm. bring us in. And I really loved how they leaned into the comedy here. And there's so many characters that we recognise and these like little Easter eggs and things. And I think it was really interesting with the timing because it's a lovely testament to Chadwick Boseman. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously it was written before Chadwick's death because he voices uh, his character. But with hindsight, it's almost as if it's written as a tribute to him and to the character. Um, and this idea that, you know, you just put someone better than Peter Quill into that situation and, and the, you know, the, the different impact. And we also had um, a tweet from Steve, a friend of the show, uh, at Zinkstote, who said, I don't know about you lot, but I found this week's episode much more satisfying. Many genuinely new and interesting twists. And I think that sums it up well. Yeah, the character aspect is, is really interesting. The idea of let's put in 
a very different character and see mm. how they go in this situation. I think they had even set up something to, in promoting this of, is it nature or nurture, effectively? Um, and how does that mould a thing? And I think, I, I don't think they're saying sort of T'Challa is the opposite of Peter Quill, but he is so fundamentally different. I mean, he is almost the, the least interesting character in Black Panther. Because he is such a straight arrow, but you put him in a situation like Guardians, and it's a really interesting situation. Mm. And and I think it has improved that world by his interactions with the people around him. Whether whether or not we're then comparing it to the characters we knew, if you watch this without having seen Guardians and Avengers and and the other stories they're bringing in here, I think it still stands up as a really interesting group of characters yeah. doing doing fun, cool stuff. Absolutely, it's a really interesting point because you get kind of. Yondu and the Ravengers and the concept of Star-Lord and it's impossible for anyone who's followed those films as much as some of us have not to contrast it with Guardians but I think you're completely right it it absolutely stacks up as a story in and of itself whereas I'm not I mean I think you could probably have watched last week's episode as as a kind of general jape but mm. I'm not sure it would have held much attention like it, it might have looked more like a collection of stories and I think it's going to be interesting to see how much these episodes might stack against each other as sort of a series of one-offs because it does feel like they're going to be this series of one-offs yeah that's that's my concern that they've pushed it so far I'm like right do this every week um and, and thinking about it over the over the last week since we last talked about this I realised what I was coming in bringing to this was the way DC have done it in the past. DC have done a number of different sort of Elseworlds things, some of which are better or worse than others. But the ones that stand out, there's there's a story called Superman Red Sun, um, S-O-N, where he lands basically like 12 hours later in Russia and you get communist Superman and what that does to the world. So you still get some of the same characters and some of the same things happening, but fundamentally different and the world has changed and it tells a story over a long time. And that's kind of the changes I'm looking for. Mm. Sort of really interesting storytelling. Don't just sort of, you know, minor deviations in the path. And delighted to get it. Delighted with the introduction of Thanos partway through. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, this is interesting, you know. But I, I think that's part of it as well, is when you are watching a series of one-offs, even if you don't like next week, there's nothing to say that week four or week five won't mm. be better. And I think that maybe we are at a point in serialised Marvel TV storytelling when actually not being able to count on next week and how it builds on the week before might be a bit refreshing because we got a bit like, well, episode four or episode five is going to mm -hmm. be the one. I think it's quite nice that any week could be the one. And any week might not be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we can't look forward to hmm. other things. So maybe that's kind of, maybe this is, is a, if you look at weekly storytelling from one studio, it's quite a nice idea to put in a little series of one-offs, isn't it? It's um, yeah. it's almost like they've done this before in some other long-form storytelling kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Amazing, isn't it? Mm, bizarre. Um, talking about uh, Chadwick Boseman's performance and the kind of the nature of T'Challa in here, I thought that worked so beautifully. And I, I really enjoyed the contrast of this child who is kind of loved and in a family and in a home and who arrives just kind of curious and open in a spaceship, mm. like excited and interested compared with Peter, who is damaged and hurt. And I think, even if you look at kind of all of the what if it was this character and not this character, I felt at every point 
they addressed each difference and kind of because you have this child, how did he have this relationship with the authority figure? And how did that change both of them? And how did they stay the same? And kind of at every point, what does that mean? Which missions do they have or not have? You have, you know, Taserface is still part of this group. And what a joy to see Taserface of all <laughs> characters again. Um, how interesting to see the effects that, that has and to have it be that yeah of course T'Challa just kind of convinced Thanos that genocide wasn't the only way to well <laughs> convinced him enough to to leave off for now hmm. I mean I think the Thanos thing has probably been the one that I've seen most talked about which is interesting because sort of for me I just sort of went oh haha um yeah. and then actually the the Nebula Thanos storyline was kind of more interesting to me but I think what I've seen talked about most on Twitter has kind of been this idea that all we needed to do was was have a decent argument and Thanos might not have done this but also a younger Thanos mm -hmm. and again it feels like something that someone has really thought about it felt yeah. very thoughtful and and it works with what we know of Thanos as a character. He is an intelligent character who thinks about things. And you can see that, yes, well-rational arguments over a period would convince him of a different way, particularly with people demonstrating those different ways as well. Like, yeah. cool. If, yeah, if Star-Lord and the Ravagers have been off around the galaxy restarting stars and, and whatever else it was mm. that they said they've been doing, then I think that then gives a bit more backup to when those people are then making that argument to, mm. to Thanos. So... That's it. Like they, they've got a portfolio, if you like, yes. of success, of galactic success. Mm. Yeah, mm. credible ravagers is is a really interesting force to reckon with, because they are still kind of ragtag and bobtail, but to great effect. Mm. And even in in and of itself, as as part of the kind of superhero canon, isn't that sort of what we're looking for? Is that people are elevated by the company that they're in? And by the ability that they have to kind of articulate themselves and their skills, I thought that was sort of a nice way of, of contemplating it. Um, just trying to think through the kind of logistical changes that, because there are so many bits and pieces in this that are just kind of casual bar conversations. Like another thing that's quite interesting in this is that until you get to sort of the stuff with the collector, you don't really have kind of big action. I felt. Whereas, um, I mean, last week we had kind of almost like a lot of set pieces. And in this one, it was very chatty, very, very chatty, very kind of characters talking to each other about things that we don't necessarily see and relationships that they have had, things that they might do or have done. Does anyone want to talk about Nebula? Because I would like to talk about Nebula. I'm, that is the next one. But yes. Yep. <laughs> I just, I, I was sort of filtering through for more kind of little facts and things, but you know, when Nebula arrives, fantastic hair and significantly more intact, and you kind of go, what if? Mm -hmm. mm. And what a divergence. Yeah. And sort of what, I mean, again, like I'm super into kind of the Guardians to sort of timelines and those characters and everything, but how did you, what did you take, what did you infer from the, from the appearance of Nebula? Nebula was probably my, well, my main problem point with this. Hmm. Because I thought if I had never seen that character before, I would have been like, oh, this is an interesting character. Cool. But she was so different. It, the character just felt so different. And I, I understand this, you know, this is meant to be a, a slightly different Thanos and that would have had impact on her. But clearly there still have been the problems in the past. 
um, between but them. Not necessarily, because he never. It seems as if he never adopted Gamora. In this universe. No. No, but there's still the problems because um, there's a conversation between Chacha mm. and her where he's, you know, he's saying that um, I don't know, you need to forgive him or something. And also there's a comment about him trying to get into counselling. So, I mean, she, she's clearly, okay, actually this is something you need to remind me of. Was Nebula human to start with and then bits were pulled apart and what have you? Yeah, that Pretty is right, much. isn't it? Yeah, so she's clearly not human at this stage. So he has done some stuff to her. Well, is it because then when she was pointing to her eyes, she said the collector Nebula. So... I don't know about human. Nebula is is pre exists. Nebula is kind of collected by Thanos. Sort of. Well, I'm never sure the difference between the comics and the MCU. This is the thing mm. as well. And I'm not sure we have any more than we get about sort of Gamora and Nebula and kind of their sisterly relationship. I think that's as much as we really get in the MCU. So I'm just assuming that most of that didn't happen. But in the MCU, wasn't it that the idea that he would pit the two against each other and yeah. Gamora would win and every time she lost, sorry, Nebula lost, mm. he would replace a bit of her with a bit more robot-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but the starting point is less clear yeah. in the MCU than it is in the comics where she is a pre-existing villain, a kind of... Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I don't know. I just felt that she was being, uh, she was a really interesting character, but she was like a, um, a film noir dame type, mm-hmm. um, you know, walking in on her getaway sticks and stuff. And, and so that's really cool, but that isn't Nebula to me. Mm-hmm. And whereas with, with T'Challa, yes, different situation. You can see who he is with Yondo, different situation, but you can see who he is. And this, Perhaps it wouldn't have been such a problem if it wasn't the fact that she was one of only three female characters, other than that very end scene where there's like a big group scene. And the two other female characters were Proxima Midnight and Karina, who weren't, you know, exactly a main feature. Mm. So perhaps that's part of it. But, you know, I thought I thought the character design looked great and um and I thought the acting was great. And I thought she was really interesting. I was just kind of like, Who's this person? Mm-hmm. I think I, I sort of felt that she still had her kind of, I'm going to need a ship and I'm going to need a thing and I've got a plan and I'm doing a thing and these are the parts you're going to play in that. And, and it felt like she did have that kind of a sort of outlaw captain aspect. Mm-hmm. I, I, I felt that to be fairly consistent with her and I, I really enjoyed that they're kind of in this orbit that she continues to be in Thanos' orbit that sort of can't quite estrange you sufficiently father-daughter mm. relationship which i i think you know has has a sort of closeness not specifically to me but let's say in my orbit i think they did some really interesting work and it's and that bit at the end where you know thanos is like i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna save everyone and sort of sidetrack everyone and make time and nebula's like you can't do that and he's like yeah yeah i'm gonna go do that and she's gonna go with everyone but then she hears him and she's like ah like she she can't leave him and I think that that really sort of dark depth in their relationship as well, I, I felt like that was still present, even though there are clearly other elements that aren't that outlined. I felt like the surface level that you got still contained all the complexity that we have had before. And I think when you sort of contrast that with the kind of Yondu and T'Challa um, relationship that we see and T'Challa and his dad, and then very much at the end you get 
Peter and Ego. It's, I mean, the theme of Guardians 2 for me is complicated dads. Um, and also, you know, Drax still getting to be a dad. I admit I very, very rapidly teared up uh, just momentarily at that kind of, what if one character just got to live a life and be a barman? That'd be cool. <laughs> That'd be nice. But yeah, so I felt, I see what you say. Now you mention it this way. And actually, if you hadn't seen the other things, as, as Matthew said, if you hadn't seen the other films and so on, you might just be like, who is this character and what it, why do we care? Why does she have this relationship with her dad? Because it's not on paper. Mm. But I felt like it was the subtext was good. Yeah, like I said, this is me picking because I really enjoyed the episode. That's fun. It did, That's what it podcasts did are. Kind of, <laughs> it did kind of, I don't know, I was just a bit kind of, oh, mm. I'm not sure they've kept enough of her. But then again, her damage was so much of her character in the films. Mm-hmm that I suppose if you take that out, then you are going to have quite a different character. And the, the sexiness, she had that in the films as well. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes the way she'd walk and the what swagger. have you. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and hello, boys. <laughs> um, the, the, so absolutely, I could see that map across. But yeah, I also could have done with the additional woman would have been nice. Yeah, that, that absolutely they could have done better on because it doesn't need to be any of the characters doing the heist with them. Could have been swapped out. Didn't need to be Drax behind the thing. There were a number of changes they could have done. Even new characters. Um, But I find it hard to critique Nebula because I really enjoyed that. And I think it's because Karen Gillan is my MVP for this episode. Her voice performance was exceptional. And I think it stands out because at least 50% of the others are not great. Some of them I was listening to like, this is a bad impression of Yondu. Oh, no, it's actually Michael Rooker. Oh, okay. I, I felt like it was pantomime, Michael Rooker. Mm. I, I, I think I, some of it might be down to sound mixing because there were bits mm. I'm like, oh, if that had more bass, it would sound like him. It just it didn't have some of the, the same range of the voices. But hers was, yes, I can hear Nebula, but I can hear her doing different things to it because the character's different. And I think I really enjoyed it on that that perspective. Do we know if this was recorded during the pandemic? It was certainly recorded before Chadwick died. So, yeah, or at least his bit was. I was listening to an interview with Jeffrey Wright, and he said that they were talking about it back at the Avengers Endgame premiere that he was already in talks with Marvel about being the watcher for this. I just wonder if it is people recording at home or if it's, I, I don't know if that's affects anything. I think it's definitely recorded in different places. It's definitely not everyone oh, yeah. in a room doing a thing. No, no, no. Um, so, I think. You're probably right, and I think it probably is mixing as much as as anything. Um, Yeah. I don't really understand, not really understand, I don't think I'm as good as you guys at picking up a voice performance. Mm -hmm. Could you you not tell last week that Sebastian Stan wasn't great? That was a bit more of an exception, yes. That one, I did think he wasn't. (laughs) I felt like if you couldn't tell that one, then maybe you wouldn't be very good at picking it up. But if you can tell that, I think you can That one, yes. But, (laughs) uh, But even so... I think probably only after you mentioned it, you know, it, you know, I think one of you said someone wasn't great. And I was like, yeah, it's probably Sebastian Stan um, in this instance, not mm. generally. Generally, we think he's wonderful. Go and listen to uh, Falcon yeah, and Soldier yeah. episodes. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think perhaps I'm just in this. It's an animation. It's it's and again, I know some people take animation very seriously. It's just a bit of fun as far as I'm concerned. In terms of Marvel, it, this is more a bit of fun. Yeah. One imagines. But I, I did think it was interesting. I, I was um, 
surprised that it wasn't Dave Batista doing Drax's voice. And I, I know it's only a couple of lines, but that's a it's a big couple of lines. And I saw that someone said to him, oh, how come it's not you? And he said, well, I wasn't asked. Yeah. And I thought that was a very interesting note about this. Because, again, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about logistics as we go through the Marvel TV series. And it is one of those things where I just kind of assumed they were sort of on staff. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. You want Dave Bautista to do two lines? He's he's probably going to do that for you. Yeah, he mm. did say that maybe his agent was Arsten, but and it didn't. Yeah, they assumed he didn't want to do it or something. I don't know because mm. they had um, um, Danae Garay. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. her for that one mm. line. I feel like she might have more in other episodes. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it just, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was notable, and I mean, indeed, Kurt Russell coming and doing. A yeah. line. I, I mean, I, I talked about uh, about that a lot with my wife, and we just like you needed Kurt Russell to come and do that line because <laughs> the whole reason he's so good at that character is because he un- understands sinister and slime, mm-hmm. and uh, and that that line was really oozing. Um, yeah. But yeah, D- Dave Batista seems to turn up to anything. So if he'd been mm. asked, he probably would have done it. Mm. But I don't think he makes himself the most popular. I don't think we necessarily want to get into all, all the outside stuff that's happened <laughs> mm. over the last few years and what people have said about the companies they work for. Um, mm. he, he uh, This is part of why I would say he turns up to everything because he also seems to accept every interview that comes his way. And then it's quite open in those interviews and I'm not sure that's the best decision for a career sometimes. Um, so. I kind of feel like it's what Drax would do. But but I do think also it's just it's it's just slightly that moment where you get this is a character who is kind of defined by heartbreak and misery in these in this universe and you just done a what if which is what if happy dude with wife and child and, and is a barman now and you just think that'd be nice wouldn't it mm. spend just a few minutes in that character like. You, you kind of deserve that, I guess. If you've made it a character that people have the emotional connection with, I just thought it was an interesting note. <laughs> and, and in the same way, I don't feel like it needed Rocket and Groot. And I'm glad it didn't have you, you know, Rocket. it just would have overpacked it. And I, yeah. I think, I can't remember if we said this last week, but there were aspects like, don't force them in there. No. Just show us the story that makes sense so you're not um, losing out in that period. And that was also a, a really interesting part of this what if was, well, they were never in the prison because they didn't get arrested because T'Challa is sensible. <laughs> like, this didn't happen. They they didn't end up going down these roads. And that's why the Ravagers stayed together. I mean, that's that's literally a line in the episode. That's why everything works out is because they've got glue. Hmm. As it were. Sexy, um, sexy glue. How the hell is a cartoon character that sexy? Oh, Laura. I know, I know, I know. Don't, don't worry. I don't know which Haven't my you seen Disney's is. Robin Hood? I, you're not, do you know what? I just don't really... I kind of get what people are talking about with the fox, but not to the point that some people are. But I mean, I, I found this cartoon one more attractive than Chadwick Boseman. Oh. Which is worrying. I was I... almost like a Karath fanboy at that stage. <laughs> I found it very moving reading some of the bits where they were saying, you know, how interested he was in the series and kind of these different sort of potential storylines mm. for T'Challa. And again, that that idea that in Marvel they they weren't aware that he was unwell, um, and obviously he knew what that potential could mean for the character and and the ability to keep telling stories about that mm. character. And 
I just think it adds a little weight to something that is a bit of fun and it, and it shows you how useful fun can be, I think, mm. sometimes. And I think how these Marvel layers are meaningful and are resonant um, because they exist in, in this wider world of, of actors and ongoing storytelling. Um, so in terms of the what if, did you get any sense of kind of what next you might get? I mean, I I know that's kind of not the point of these one shots and they are kind of in themselves. But if there was a what next, you know, what might it mean for a wider Marvel universe? Like, might there be some consequences to anything we already know? And if all these stories coexisted, I sort of, I'm not great at sort of knowing outside the Guardians universe how things mm. might be affected, but they did sure mention a lot of missions and things that they might do and places they might save. Yeah, I'm sure that there will be Easter eggs in future films where something's mentioned that, I don't know, the embers of whatever they were called, embers of Genesis. You know, I can see them being mentioned in another film or what have you. So you have that little, oh, well, if you were the ones who watched this one, then you know what that is. Um, and I think the big thing will be is if any of these are incredibly popular, then yes, I think there's a damn good chance we will see more about that multiverse. Um, mm. Obviously not this one, unfortunately, um, or not this one with T'Challa anyway. But yeah, I think I think it'd be interesting to see if this is a potentially a bit of a proving ground for some of the concepts. I don't know. We don't know what else, are, or I don't know in detail what's to come. I think otherwise, any impact is going to be just nods, just like kind of Easter eggs and joining up in little bits and pieces here and there. Probably. I mean, I yeah, I'd love to see more of this um, mm. nebula. You know, once I've got my head around the fact she's a different nebula. <laughs> because so. yeah if they fill in some more of that backstory how she got to the point we see her here i think you might have been more into it it's the she's so fundamentally different give me yeah. a little bit of reasoning um, yeah. yeah we like a backstory and I, th I think the backstory could be interesting because uh you know i'm pretty sure her eye um piece she you know she says that she's got a debt to the collector and then shows her eye piece so mm. that's if he's got something to do with her having that cybernetic maybe Almost as if kind of she was wearing a piece of the collection. Mm. Or he'd taken a piece for the collection. But that wouldn't be a debt. Unless she'd lent him some unless, of herself. Unless, unless she owes him payback for taking it. Um, <laughs> it got dark. In a revenge place. I uh, like This does stick a little bit to what we've seen, but particularly because it's nebula and the idea of Infinity Stones showing up, like them starting to collect some of these powerful things again and using them in different ways. Um, but that's sort of forcing them to interact with some of the other stories. So, you know, dealing with the Dark Elves as they rock up on Asgard and so on. And, you know, more stories of what the Collector has done, because there's an implication that Asgard has been destroyed, and he was the one to do it, um, and that maybe he's killed the Avengers and taken their weapons... Yes, there was that with, was, with the case. Yeah. The case of the Avengers' weapons mm. was and, interesting. And Hela's hairpiece. Mm. Yeah, that was fun to see that a blade made from dark matter from the dark elves and yeah. Mjolnir's in there, and I think Loki's horns are in there. And that was kind of on my list. Like, do you, do you, I mean, Thanos says you know, I, I created a void, and the Collector stepped in, and I felt like that was a good villain to step in because he has that kind of megalomaniac approach to things and and it, how did you feel about kind of revisiting that character who I felt was very much doing more of the same slightly bigger it was 
that that's the really bad performance, I think. Um, <laughs> Benicio del Toro. But, but, but let's move on from that. I want you to say that to his face. <laughs> did not recognise it at all. It, it's the one that it could have been anyone. Mm. A little bit like the the idea of having the collection allows them to do some of this Easter egg stuff. The same thing as they did with, um, not Osiris. Who's Thor's dad? Odin. Odin's vault, where they did the walk through Odin's vault and he's got the Infinity Gauntlet and so on. Um, they did some of that here. But it could have been anyone. It could have been someone new. It could have been someone who, you know, it could have been Mantis. <laughs> like, let's take this in a really what if, you know, different place mm. or something. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting because, as you say, we do get the collect- collection side mm. of things. I mean, he's been working out, hasn't he? <laughs> That's Ooh. quite a different, <laughs> different shape. And that was one of the things that I thought it felt a bit like we don't need the big boss to always be a big buff person. We've got a lot of those in the universe and there'll be plenty more to come. But because that wasn't his characterization, it was all about him being this kind of megalomaniac mm. and wielding his power in different ways because he could have still used those weapons and things without... Mm necessarily having um having to be that he's also sort of um thanos i did wonder how he got the hammer in the box and because he's not picking that thing up is he right i I did find myself wondering about like did he convince the avengers to loan their weapons for an art exhibition (laughs) this was one thought i had because you can imagine thor going no mine is at the top (laughs) but yeah this is the thing like there are elements like that that i think are Again, they're just Easter eggs. They're a bit of fun for us to, yeah. you know, like you were mm. saying, we might then see later on in references and so on. The, these are these references here. But we all think about this stuff a lot. And, you know, there are 10-year-old kids who watch this stuff who think about this sort of thing a lot and mm. would maybe come up with something. But uh, it should be addressed, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because it does give that uh, Easter egg or that, not Easter egg, but that potential that, so does this mean the Avengers are dead? <laughs> Yeah, if you really want to delve mm. into it. That's something actually um, interesting when you were saying that, 10-year-old kids, Matthew. The age rating on this is 12 plus. Okay. That seems high, considering... Is there some language? It's... Mm, I didn't hear any. I don't think so. Uh, of the episode or the series? I think the series is. Okay. I think the series is. And I'm pretty sure I've seen something about the violence. Think, you think, think about think kind are... of smashing faces mm-hmm. with hammers and stuff. I, I think... I mean, we had the same in the other series, so mm. I, I don't know what rating those were, but I think mm. there is stuff coming that's scary. I think they've all been so. 12 plus. Mm. And I, I'm sure I've seen something about there was an episode they decided not to do because it was really quite dark. So. Oh, mm. okay. Yeah, I saw that. Because the new um, He-Man, not He-Man comic um, cartoon is also 12 plus. Mm. I that does have some language that. in it. It does. And I, I say 10-year-old kids because my nephew's just started watching the MCU. Yeah, so, no, it's yeah. just interesting. That's, but that's why that, that, mind, that, that age came to mind. Because he is one of the last of his friends to watch it. So, ah. you know, he's finally going through it. But they've all seen it. They all know what's happening. But this is one of the things, on. I mean, right from Iron Man 2, because I remember having a, a whole time about um, whether a particular family member should, in inverted commas, see Iron Man 2 in this way, because I just didn't felt I didn't feel the violence had sufficient consequences mm-hmm. for somebody who was... Interested in copying things on screens, and then I started to realise just kind of how much Iron Man merchandise there was for very small children. Like Iron Man, I am five, and you're like, really, really, okay. 
And now, I suppose now there's that breadth of of context. I mean, these really are like the pantheon of folk heroes mm. you'll know about Iron Man very I, early on. Or I have friends who have that there. exact thing over Batman because Batman is dark mm. and does dark and violent things and really is not for kids. But at the same time, there is a lot of Batman content that is very accessible for kids. But then if you'd because... grown up with Breakfast Batman, that's yeah. different. But, but that that's... a but but the, the the thing is that they know they want to appeal to a range of ages. And yeah. the core demographic is the, you know, eighteen to thirty five sort of age range. But they want kids, so they do have animated series and they have um what is it, the DC superhero girls, which is them all at university together yeah. sort of stuff. So yeah. I mean you can also for all of these characters you can buy children's books. Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean there's yeah. I was saying someone's talking on um on Twitter about a Godzilla children's book. Awesome. You know? So <laughs> Godzilla. Why he not? Had, there was an animated Godzilla series. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But so he's not. He's not who I would immediately go. Well, that's no. a little kid character. Dinosaur. But, um, <laughs> I know. Yes, true, true. <laughs> dinosaur. Uh, do you but, know who uh, I did uh, need in this? Who? Howard the Duck. Or Seth Green. <laughs> I did not need Howard the. Duck. I don't need Howard the Duck in anything. They are trying to make Howard the Duck. Oh, it's like it's stop like fetch or something. It, just yeah, stop it. <laughs> stop trying to make Howard the Duck a film. I, I, this exact conversation was had, and I forget who had it at the release of Guardians Two. But the moment in Guardians Two where he shows up, there was a guy who said, "My kid jumped up and started screaming in the cinema." There he is. There he is, because that was so exciting for him. So you know, <laughs> the faces it, it we are making. Us, but we just talked about they, you know, they wanted it for different markets. It's a talking duck. It's Seth was Green. Was there a series? There was it was a, a film, recently, right? It was a film. Yeah. I they Same. either were going to make a series recently, or they had. Not within the MCU? like A bit like Modoc, a kind of other Marvel. Not that I know of. I'm going to Google. Talk about yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think there were definitely a lot of kind of bits and pieces that other things might pick up on, uh, or that, you know, are, are the picking up in a way as well. I suppose some of what if is the picking up of things from other bits of the MCU that you may have come across on the way um, to watching what if that particular week. Uh, they intended nice. to do a series produced by Kevin Smith and Dave Willis. And he would have teamed up with Modog, Hitmonkey, Tiger and Dazzler in the animated Offender special. In January 2020 it was announced that the series along with Tiger and Dazzler were cancelled. Tiger, the Thundercat? I would assume not. Yeah. I also assume it's probably Tigra, isn't it? Probably. Like a little voxel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, anything else about kind of uh, the Wakanda we see in this and how What If might have affected that? So the idea of kind of missing T'Challa, I thought it was very interesting that there were these kind of messages that they'd sent out. I wonder if that affected uh, the extent to which they had been in hiding or not. Um, and how that would have changed. I loved that it had changed them into a more space-faring race. I, I really like that term, because you can absolutely see it for these people, and for mm, the time that definitely. they set. Um, I loved that little sort of bot things on the ship looked like the um, Delay Mirage. What's the name? Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje, thank you. Um, yeah. I almost, I think because they mentioned it had been destroyed, I almost expected there would be a thing of Killmonger had turned up and had taken over. 
and had started a war or something. Or they had been plundered by the outside world. Or just something like that. I'm really glad they didn't. Like, it, it yeah. leaves it in a mm. happier, more hopeful place. And I, I really like that as, as part of Yondu's just kind of selfish. Mm. Not really respecting people as, as individual people. And mm. we don't know exactly at what point in his childhood that may or may not have happened and, and all of these things. But but sort of Yondu is a kind of fond kidnapper Absolutely tracks for me, um, mm. and, and is both very dark and very interesting. I, I just I found that again, just kind of quite a bold stroke mm. to paint in here, and I found I thought it really paid off. Um, and to have a character kind of lie through another character uh, to the audience is again mm. very much um, it's what happens in Guardians, but it's just a different type of lie to the same sort of end, and I I thought that was. Again, nice, nicely drawn. We talked a lot last week about parallels that were just doing the same thing <clears throat> from the source material. And I felt that this took same themes but elevated them somewhat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. as you said, for me, that was another instance of, of doing something very, very well oh. that could not have been done very well. It just felt more sophisticated. It, it, yeah. it was a more conceptual theme. Mm. Uh, sorry, more conceptual mirroring than... In mm. the last episode, there were literal shots that were the same. Mm-hmm. I remember from the films, which to start was kind of like, oh, well, that's quite cool seeing that bit. But yeah, they did that for the opening of this, and then they stopped. I, and they didn't even. I, I wondered if they were going to do a thing of him making the Mary Poppins joke or something, but they didn't even do that. No, it was just I was having glad. them here is nice, you know. Yes, mm. yeah. Mm. I I thought that might have been there as well, and it wasn't. I I think my final point is that. Again, the biggest what what if really is that last scene where, you know, what if Ego does really get to come and reclaim his son and doesn't have the kind of protection stroke opportunity stroke self-awareness afforded by the Guardians of the Galaxy? What if an unarched Peter, and I'm very well aware that, that Peter is nobody's favourite member of the MCU, um, regardless, I, I am a fan of his arc and I think he's extremely interesting and there are many reasons why I love Guardians too. So the idea of an unarched Peter encountering Ego, who is presumably exactly where we find him in Guardians 2, and when the Watcher says, and this could be the end of the world, I really hope that's another episode. I'd be really interested to see if that ever gets picked up on or if that really is just a kind of, hey, run with this, imagine for yourselves, guys, because that's been really interesting for me to to contemplate and imagine. I, I appreciated that runway for my brain. I wonder, I think it's really interesting as a concept, but actually for 30 minutes, how entertaining would it be to watch? Well, where would it go? Because, yeah, you can't have an episode that ends with, quite... yeah, ego destroys everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose they can't, if this is multiverse, so I suppose we can have a multiverse that's destroyed. They They could. Are they going to? No. It seems Obviously. unlikely, mm. but I, I, mm. I would just wonder if they might appear as kind of some kind of, that might appear as some kind of grand bad guy down yeah. the road later. And maybe that's the antagonist at the end of somebody else's yeah, absolutely. something or a post-apocalypse. People. What if? Other people come in and rescue yeah. Peter. Because I, I can't imagine where that connection falls uh, without that tie to the Guardians and, and mm. so on, because it's presumably long forgotten. Uh, so, think we're coming to the end of some reflections mm-hmm. on this marvellous for me episode of uh, 
television. Any more thoughts, Matthew? There was the line, he could bore someone to death using only his sanctimony. Which is an exceptionally good line, which is way better than I expected from this series. <laughs> what a treat. <laughs> I, I, I can't now remember who it was about and about to whom. But great. Uh, Maybe about T'Challa. It was about T'Challa and, and it was um, the, collector. the collector. Yeah. Hmm. Brilliant. I was a treat. Loved it. Yep. Yep. And, My... and I, sorry, just to. No, no, no. I, I, I'm pleased with that because. There's a risk they sort of deify T'Challa, yes, mm. and make him this character you can't touch and can't tease or make jokes about or treat in the same way you treat other characters. And one of the great things about Black Panther is he is absolutely straight, arrow straight mm. in everything he does. And so his sister teases him about it, and Okoya teases him, and mm. every you know he's got these people around him who sort of keep him fairly level with it. Got big sisters. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and uh, the sort of lack of of women, in a sense. I mean, you do have one sort of non male appearing ravager, um, but no interaction is. But I do like that Yondu is, you know, oh that that's my boy. That's that kind of cherishing mm. that, which is not quite the same as as teasing, but just kind of oh there you go again. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, always doing the right thing when we could be making so much money, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, yeah. One of my favourite lines was two see holes, two hear holes, one eat hole. Yeah, right. I <laughs> <laughs> was so craggling, it was just perfect. And the the other thing that we haven't mentioned is the music, just when yes. the strength when both um, the Guardians and the Black Panther Black Panther music kick in. Mm. I'm so um, indoctrinated now with that music that even the slightest bit you kind of go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and then the Guardians Black Panther mash up bit of the music when they were going off in the um in the Wakandan ship. Oh, I liked that. I liked that a lot. Nice. I, I agree. Uh, and that it's a treat to kind of have those what if little bits of joy that you only get because you're making these weird mashups. It is sort of a tribute to the remix that we're doing. Um and as you say, it's weird to realise that you have all these responses to these little stings and little bits of music. Um and all the layers. So far, looking forward to next week? Yeah, very curious. Yes, yes. Much less anxious than I was about this week. (laughs) That's that's nice. Just kind of a gentle sense of investment. I just buy buy things like Terraform powder. Just really nice little sci-fi bits and pieces that you could have in so many ways and so many Mm. things. I just, I really enjoyed all of this episode and watching it back I was like oh I forgot this bit and this bit and this bit <laughs> and then at the end there was Like the Dog which obviously set me off because I cry every time I see anything <laughs> she looks like a dog I had as a child so obviously I am absolutely conditioned to believe that she did indeed stow away at any opportunity with Guardians Ravages or whoever um, so just delighted delighted by that bit so on which note, if you'd like to uh, let us know your thoughts on this episode or anything else about the marvellous MCU and how it's playing out and what if and what next and all of those fine things, you can find us at Eloquent Gushing on Twitter. Uh, you can find us individually. Matthew, where we, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Matthew Vose. Laura, where can we find you? I'm also on Twitter at Laura Geeks Out. And I too am on Twitter at this AE Shaw. And on that note, sometimes the best weapon in your arsenal is just a good argument.